This week is perhaps, um, or is the greatest week in history. Um, It's Easter, resurrection, and this week that we are in, in history, it changed everything in the universe. So many times when there is a large event, when there's something that happens in history, it changes a nation, it, it, changes, it changes a generation. But what happened this week in history changed the entire universe. And it was such an important and powerful week that we are still feeling the impacts of that today. In Matthew chapter 21, verse 1, I'm going to begin to read. And it says... Now when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me, and if anyone says anything to you, you shall say that the Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, our king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them, and they brought the donkey and the colt, and they laid their clothes on them and set him on them, and a great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, All the city was moved, saying, who is this? So the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. As we get into this resurrection week, I want to look at this passage of Scripture and relate it to where we are today and pull some life lessons, if you will, out of this text and put it in context of where we are today. This lessons that Jesus, this was part of his life, but if we, I'm going to break some things down for you today to kind of realize what it, what it means for us today, right now. Palm Sunday today represents the beginning of Holy Week. Some consider this day as the day that the countdown to Calvary began. But truly, I believe that the countdown to Calvary really began in Genesis during the fall of man because there needed to be a redemption plan to bring man back to God. There needed to be something. So a lot of people look at it this week, but I believe from the beginning of time, We have always been looking for and longing for 
the cross, longing for this resurrection. And as we look at Palm Sunday in this text, Jesus tells the disciples to go and get a donkey. And he tells them, he says, whenever you get there, tell the people that Jesus or the Lord has need of this donkey. I don't know about you, but when I am reading this, I find this a little interesting to think that our God of the universe would have a need and his need would be a donkey. I mean, this is, this is the Lord who said, let there be light and there was light. This is the God who said, uh, who spoke the, the, the mountains and the animals and separated the water from the land and created the universe. And now it's saying that he is in need of something like a donkey. I would think that if he is God, couldn't he just create his own donkey? I mean, Psalm 24 says that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. It means that he owns it. It is his. It's got his name on it. And while God owns the world, he will place things in our hands. He will place wealth in our hands. He will place gifts and talents and abilities in the very palm of our hands. And he gives us possessions and things. And he gives us the option to either give it or keep it. Will we withhold it or will we extend it to the kingdom? Because when God provides for people, he is actually providing for his kingdom. Amen? When God, is providing, when God is providing for people, he is actually giving to you so you can help to further the kingdom. Jesus said, I need a donkey. I need a donkey. I could think of a lot of other things that I would ask for other than a donkey. He said, I need a stubborn. I need a hard-headed. I need that common stereotypical donkey. The Lord said he's common, but I still need him. He said he's stubborn, but I need him. He was, he was teaching a life lesson here. That he's hard-headed, but I need him. He, he, wants to, he wants to walk to his own beat. He wants to do his own thing. He will, not, he will not listen to me, but I have a job for him. He wants to go his own way, but I still want to use him. Isn't it amazing that the Lord needs us? He does not need us to do godly things, but he needs us because he wants to use us. I've got good news for you today. I've got good news for your spouse today. And guess what? The good news is that God still uses donkeys. Can I get an amen? The Lord still uses, come on, that's the reason to give an extra 20 today. The Lord still uses the stubborn people. The Lord can still use the hard-headed people. The Lord will still use the people that want to do their own thing. The Lord can use the own people that march to their own drum. The Lord the Lord wants to use those people and the Lord still uses the stubborn, the hard-headed, do your own thing. God still uses donkeys. Somebody should say amen to that. How 
many times have we felt unqualified, like we didn't stack up to the competition? Use somebody else, Lord. I cannot do this. Lord, I'm just a donkey. Use the thoroughbred. But here Jesus was teaching a life lesson that we can learn today. He was teaching to the world. I will use people that are not all there yet. I will use people that, not, that they have not even arrived yet. I will use people that can't even get on the ladder of success. I will use the unlikely. I will use the unfit. I will use others that the people have rejected. I know what it's feel like because I'm the stone that the builders rejected. I will use people that nobody else will use. I will use the donkeys in life. And while Jesus is riding a donkey coming through the gate, Pilate is coming through the western gate on the opposite side of town, but Pilate, being Pilate, is riding a white horse. Jesus was fulfilling the prophecy in Zechariah 9.9 that said that the king would come and he'd be riding on a donkey. Pilate is coming on his white stallion and he is reflecting an earthly kingdom to everyone. But here comes Jesus on his donkey reflecting a heavenly kingdom. You need to understand that this story, so many times we get caught up on the donkey, but you've got to understand this life lesson today about this story, that, 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 that this story is not about a donkey, but it's all about the passenger. People can underestimate you all day long. People can label you as a nobody all day long. The religious folk, the good church folk can talk about you. Why would Jesus use him? Why? How would Jesus use her to do this? That's when you need to look at some religious folk in the face and say, I know I'm not perfect, but this life, it's not about Chase Holsenbach. It's about the one I'm carrying. It's not about my ride. It's about who's riding with me. I may look like a donkey to the world, but I'm carrying the king inside of me. I don't know this for a fact because this donkey's not talking or this donkey's not writing anything down, but I feel that as soon as Jesus sat on this donkey, I just feel that something came over that donkey and it realized he was carrying a king. It was a weight of glory that felt different from any other man or woman that had sat down on it I feel like something happened with that donkey and it, it realized I'm carrying a king. That donkey realized I'm carrying El Shaddai, Lord God Almighty. I feel like it feels different. I feel an Elohim, the God of power and might. It feels like I'm carrying Jehovah Nisi. The Lord is my victory. I feel shalom. I feel peace. El Roy, this, the God who sees. I feel like I'm carrying a prophecy. I feel like I'm carrying the word of the Lord to the world. And all of a sudden, I think that donkey felt like a Clydesdale marching through the gate. Whenever you carry the Lord with you, he can turn your donkey days into Clydesdale days. He can turn your no days into a good day. Whenever you got the Lord riding with you, he can turn it around 
Why? Because it's not about the ride, it's about the passenger. Pilate is coming into the city on a white horse. Trumpets are sounding. Mm. People are yelling. He's got his entourage. He's got his cupbearer. He's got people holding his garments. They're following him. His posse's all around him, and he's rolling around. It's like National Enquirer. It's like Entertainment Tonight. They're all around him. There he is. It's Pilate. It's the king. There he is, and he's on a white horse, and he was coming into town to let everybody know I'm the real one in charge. He had already heard about this Jesus. He had already heard, caught wind of the miracles, the signs, and the wonders. He had already been told about the multitudes and the large followings that this man Jesus has. And Pilate was simply acting as a distraction to Jesus. This is a lesson you need to learn from this today, a life lesson I want to encourage you this resurrection season. Don't let a pilot ride into your week. Satan has a plan for you this week. The Lord has a plan, but listen, Satan has a plan for you. He's got a plan for you this week. And it may just come riding in on a white horse. It may come riding in looking good. He looked so good until you started dating him, didn't he? She looked so good, then you realize she can't even cook a biscuit. Next. How many of you know just because it looks good, it doesn't mean that it is good? Sometimes the devil will send something so good looking into your life and it'll be the worst thing for you. This week, this resurrection week, don't let Pilate ride into your week because Satan will do everything he can to distract you. But that very thing that he has for you, the devil, was meant to distract you from taking a moment this week to remember the real purpose. The, that very thing has a plan to get you to think more more about it than you think about the death and the burial and the resurrection of Christ. There's probably going to be something political that happens this week. And it's going to make you forget about the resurrection. Don't let Pilate ride in this week. The one thing that Pilate could not stand was that Jesus was talking about a kingdom other than Pilate's kingdom. Jesus was preaching about a heavenly kingdom. He said, mine is not a political structure. It's not a political kingdom. He said, mine is, the, is, mine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. He said, my kingdom will know no end. Other kingdoms of earth, they will rise and they will fall on earth. Oh, but mine will last and stand forever. Do you realize Jesus refers to the kingdom some 130 times in the gospels? See, the Romans ruled this kingdom on earth where he was at at the moment. The Romans ruled the Jews and Jerusalem. They had such a tight grip 
and, and on their structure and their practices and their principles. The Romans were just like holding the Jews and everything that they did. They were under such control. They were under such scrutiny that Passover, the reason all these people were in town to celebrate this Jewish festival, it was a time of celebration, remembering what God did for the Israelites when they put the blood over the doorpost and the death angel passed by. They were there, they were remembering and they were celebrating. But, 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 but the Romans had such control that they would not let them worship like they wanted to. They would not let them celebrate certain seasons. Are you seeing the parallel of the Bible to where we are today? It was, it was as if the Romans were saying, Unless you do it under my political structure, unless you do it exactly what we want you to do, unless you do what I tell you to do, unless you are being politically correct, we're not going to allow you to celebrate or to worship. Does it sound familiar? Unless you do it exactly like I'm telling you to, you can't celebrate, you can't worship. And the Romans in this, in, in this Palm Sunday text, the Romans represent the world today. And here we are almost 2,000 years later and the church is being held hostage by the world. The enemy has locked up truth. It's like the enemy has locked up the ability to tell the truth. Pastors and preachers and teachers are now afraid to tell the truth and preach the truth because they've been told you may offend someone. You may run somebody off from your church. You may disrupt a sect of, of people in your city. Be careful when you're speaking the truth. The enemy has locked up preachers and church from addressing sin. Hmm. Too many will not talk about the issues that are pertinent to our society. Listen, we are living in such a critical hour. We are witnessing critical moments in American history. And let me tell you something, this resurrection season, the church does not need more entertainment. Can I get an amen? In this hour, we do not need more motivational speakers. Can I get an amen? It is resurrection season in America. And the only the only thing that can resurrect this dying world is the word of the Lord, is the truth of God. And this resurrection season is time for churches to either get on their feet or take a seat. It is time for churches to not bend or to break. It is time for the people of God to allow the Bible to be their fact checker and not Facebook. It's the resurrection season. Don't let Pilate come in this week and silence the church. But it's on a white horse but it's politically correct. Congress passed it. It's not about the ride. It's all about the passenger. Jesus comes riding into town and there were shouts of Hosanna. Hosanna, Hosanna. Hosanna in the Old Testament means save us. But in the New Testament, there are some tones that now it has shifted to more like salvation has come. 
They are looking at Jesus saying, salvation has finally come. Salvation is here. It is here. We see these people praising him. And then a few days later, we see these same people yelling, crucify him when he was on the cross. This is a live lesson. Take note, church. Just because someone is for you today does not mean they'll be there for you tomorrow. This is all happening on Palm Sunday. On Monday... Jesus enters into the temple and starts turning over the tables. It's this famous scene of this resurrection week. He's turning over the tables. He's mad. He's frustrated. The people have turned the church into, and then the tabernacle and the courtyards into something it was never meant to be. They were taking advantage of all of the people that were coming in for the Passover and they were selling them doves and, 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 and the Lord, he's overturning the tables. Jesus is, and he's mad and he's frustrated because these people are being taken advantage of. They are, they, they, they made the, they've made that time of celebration something that it is not. And he spoke some powerful words. And he said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. There are a lot of things that he could have said about his house. But he said, I want it to be a house of prayer. Why? Let me teach this. Why did he want it to be a house of prayer? Because his house is level, follow me today. His house is on one level. It's on one slab. It is all level. It's like the foot of the cross. It is level. It doesn't matter. Anybody can come to the foot of the cross. There's no hierarchy at the foot of the cross. Can I get an amen? For we, it's, it's just for whosoever will, you can come. And that's, his house is like the foot of the cross. It's for whosoever will. But this world right now is not level. How many of you know that? It is very divided. There's bumps and there's hills and there's mountains and there's valleys. It is not level. It is divided. You've got Republicans and Democrats. Democrats. And now that Iowa keeps getting further and further apart and separating the two. You've got doctrine from the Bible and doctrine of the word. You've got, a, you've got, we've got biblical marriage and we've got the world defining marriage. The, the world is not level. It is not unified. We are not all on one page. Do you want equality? Guess what? Jesus wanted equality. I'm going to teach it. Do you know how you get equality? You pray. You pray. Whenever you start praying, equality is achieved. Because whenever you call on the name of the Lord, guess what? He hears you. It does not matter the color of your skin. It's level. He hears you. It does not matter your background. He hears you. It does not matter. It doesn't matter your lifestyle. Why? Because it's level. It's, it's equal. Prayers are equal. And he hears you. Whenever you cry out salvation, whenever you cry out Hosanna, save me, guess what he does? He comes running to whosoever is calling him. Equality cannot be, equality will never be found in an act of Congress. Equality cannot be voted on. Equality can only be found at the foot of the cross. Why? Because at the foot of the cross everybody's equal and guess what? At the foot of the cross all have sinned and all have fallen short of the glory of the Lord. At the foot of the cross is the most Equality, place you will ever be in life. The most equality that you will ever experience is at the foot of the cross. 
because we've all fallen short. Equality can only be found when we pray and confess our sins and we turn from our wicked ways. That is equality. What do you mean, Pastor? Are you saying that we will never live in harmony here on this earth? Are you saying that the United States of America will never be a place of peace? I hate to break it to you, but that's what I'm saying. There will always be hate. There will always be disagreements. There will always be racism. There will always be prejudices. There will always be dislikes. There will always be these things. Let me tell you when it all will end until every knee has bowed and every tongue has confessed that he is the Lord. That's why he said, I want my house to be a house of prayer. I want to end this stuff. And it only happens in my house. My house shall be called a house of prayer, a house where everyone is working out their salvation with fear and trembling. It doesn't matter if you're white. It doesn't matter if you're black. It doesn't matter how you voted. It doesn't matter how many degrees you have. It does not matter your pedigree. It doesn't matter if you're an addict. It doesn't matter if you're a homosexual. It doesn't matter if you're an atheist. This is a house of prayer. And you can come down to the altar today and you can cry out to him and he will hear you and transform your life forever. You want equality? Get to an altar today. Start to pray today. Start calling out the name of the Lord today. This should be a house of prayer. You can come and you can call out his name and guess what happens? He hears you and dispatches angels. Hosanna. My house shall be called a house of prayer. Because when everybody starts calling out my name, when every, every knee bows and you're praying to me, it'll be a movement like no other. Prayer is the unifying factor this resurrection season. Will you stand with me? Prayer is that unifying factor this resurrection season. Prayer will level things. Prayer puts everybody on the same page. Whenever you are praying to God of heaven, it puts everybody on the same page on the same place. And this Palm Sunday text right here, you, you may look at it and say, what does it have to offer the world today? I just gave you a handful of things that you can put in your pocket and you can carry with you this week because it may have been a word 2,000 years ago. But let me tell you something, what he was teaching then is right now where we are at and the church must understand that you cannot bend, that you cannot break. The church must understand you've got to move. The church must understand you've got, to, you've got to stand up. The church must understand you've got to get out. The church must understand you've got to call on his name. Would you just raise your hands with me and close your eyes and come on. We're going to sing this out this morning. We're going to sing it out this morning. Hey. We sing hallelujah 
We sing hallelujah. We sing We sing hallelujah. The Lamb has overcome. And we sing hallelujah. We sing it. We sing hallelujah. Yes, Lord. We sing hallelujah. The Lamb has overcome. He's overcome this And we sing hallelujah. Oh, we sing hallelujah. We sing hallelujah. Oh, we sing hallelujah. The Lamb is overcome. We sing hallelujah. Resurrection week this this week. As eyes are closed and heads are bowed, I want to give you the opportunity to cry out to Hosanna. Salvation is here. If you're here this morning and you say, you know what? I need Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. If you're here this morning and you say, you know what? I was saved 10 years ago, maybe even as a child longer than that, and I've just been through some things and I need to come back to the Savior today. If you're here today, you say, you know what? Maybe you've never had a relationship with the Lord and you say, I wanna come back to, I want Jesus, I want Hosanna today. I wanna step into this resurrection week like never before. I just, I wanna, I wanna encounter him. I want to experience him. If you're here today, you say, you know what? I need Jesus Christ today. I need Hosanna, I need salvation. With no one looking around, I'm not gonna embarrass you today. I just want you to raise your hand so I can pray with you. Anybody, I see that hand today, yes. I see your hand, I see your hand. I see your hand, I see your hand, I see your hand. Right now, if your hand is raised, I want the entire church to come along with you and I want the church to say this today. I want the entire church to uh, repeat after me, say, Heavenly Father, I come to you today and I confess to you, I'm not perfect. I have sinned and I have fallen short. But today, I believe in you. And today, I believe you sent your son, Jesus, to be crucified on the cross, 
who shed blood for my salvation. I believe they put him in a tomb and on the third day, he got up. And today, I declare that you are my savior. The old me is being removed and a new creation is being started today. I will not go back, but today my life has changed. I have been saved. I will never go back. I will never go back. I have been washed in the blood. Jesus is my savior. I need somebody to raise up a praise with me over those six or seven people that just found Jesus Christ today.